Buddy Johnson. And we're glad you decided to join us. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm well. I'm a little, uh, you know, so I got up at my normal time today and uh, I don't work my day job on the days we record this. And so I had a little extra time and I thought, you know, maybe I can sneak in a little early morning nap. And, so uh, wait a minute. So wait a minute. Let me get this right. You woke <laughs> up and the first thing you thought is about a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Not even just go rolling over and going back to sleep. It's get up, do a couple of things, and then I'm ready for a nap. <laughs> it's kind of like my dog. That's what my dog does. Gets up, goes outside, eats a little food. I give her her uh, medicine and then she takes a nap. So that was kind of what I was. So anyway, I started to do that. Didn't really get one just kind of you know laid there and it's a good thought yeah but it's the problem is it's got me kind of feeling groggy or whatever discombobulated maybe maybe a little bit i don't know well the key to that is yeah if you're going to do that i've actually (laughs) practiced what you're talking about you have to wake up really early eat a humongous breakfast Mm. and then lay back down for a nap Mm. I'll have to remember that next time. I'm really good at the afternoon nap. I've got that mastered. The Sunday afternoon nap. Oh. Totally mastered mm, that. Good stuff. I'm going to have to work on my my early morning nap game. <laughs> so uh, what are we talking about today, friend? All right. A pet peeve. Mm. We all have those, right? Uh, absolutely. Uh, this, is, this is one of mine. Uh, and, and I'll... Kind of kick it off this way. I was um, watching social media. <laughs> That's probably, wow. That was your uh, first mistake. <laughs> you know, when you, sometimes when you think things and then you say them out loud and you think, oh my goodness, that's wow. Anyway, so uh, I was uh, dancing with the devil watching social media. <laughs> uh, but it seems like more than once, several times, in fact, I've seen this kind of theme running through social media because, you know, people often will talk about spirituality or God or Christianity, and most of what they're doing is is complaining about it, trying to tear it down, whatever. So what this post was, it uh, started with a picture of a young girl that was just standing there, and she simply said, I'm sure it was just part of the clip, she said, the Bible says that homosexuality is a sin. And up above her was a picture of a verse from Leviticus. Cut off of that, fade into a 20-something um, who she looked like a 20-something. You know, I mean, just the, just the attitude just exuded out of the screen. So she begins to do what most people do that are attacking Christianity in that context, you know, to rail about, oh, you know, if you're going to follow that, then, you know, why do you, you know, do you believe in all this stuff about boiling a baby goat in its mother's milk and two fabrics mixed and stoning people and blah, blah, blah. And, and why don't you do, and why don't you believe this? And then she ended with this phrase, and this is the one that really got my blood up. She goes, why don't you, and she was speaking to the young girl, why don't you read your Bible and follow it all the way? Or shut all the way the, we don't have a beeper, do we, Ian? Beep up. At that point, it was all that I could do not to start typing on the social media post. And I thought, you know, that's if there was ever casting pearls before swine, that was probably, that would probably have been it. But what 
it made me think about was how prevalent this idea is in the lost world, or at least as an argument. So you Christians, you say you believe in this God, and he's supposed to be of love, but he has all these rules and all these laws and killing children and doing all this kind of stuff for sin and all these Old Testament laws. If you really want to be honest, then you have to follow all of these Old Testament laws. And that's just simply a fallacy. Well, that's quite interesting. Uh so a couple thoughts. First thing is I remember thinking this yesterday. I was I don't particularly find Facebook entertaining. Uh Twitter I find entertaining, but it's probably not a good thing because <laughs> you part of the entertainment value is that kind of stuff. Not necessarily that one, the pet peeve kind of thing, but the uh the people going at each other. I don't know that that's a healthy thing in our society either. Right. Uh, I'm totally getting off track, but you know, no, I think we're, we're really more designed to kind of have these conversations face to face than in however many characters, you know, you can put in a tweet. Uh, right. So that in, in, in the, the format in and of itself creates these this animosity or, or, or does that make sense? Or does it at least lend uh, itself to promote this kind of response from people with differing views and opinions? And right. I know that's not specifically what we're talking about. That's just what comes to mind, you know? Uh, no, it's true. I mean, it, what it does is it emboldens cowards. I well, mean, right. you know, when you're there you when, go. when you don't even when you don't even have to. I mean, forget the idea of the threat of physical violence. I'm not even talking about that. But there's something in the communication interaction between people when they're face to face that uh, there there's an you would temper what you were going to say, right? Yeah, because they're you know. there, and the impact the impact of whatever you want to call it, the ambiance or whatever, the interaction between two beings. Uh, people cower away from that. They'll they'll back off of that most of the time. Um, yeah. yeah. So back to this thought of, uh, you know, here's here the Bible says all these things, these things that you've you've got to do to obey and please God, and you know the Christians want to point their fingers at these sins, but want to ignore these other things, right? Right, and, and that's how they couch it. And yeah. So they they think that by doing that that they are somehow calling out our hypocrisy, right. that they're saying that we're not really Christian, that we're not serious, that we're cherry picking, you know, what we want to believe or what we don't. And and what they're always trying to do is justify some form of sin, of course. Correct. Uh, but but to get to what was really going on there and how, how do we as Christians, because another frustrating part of that is when faced with that and then Christians stand slack jawed as if, Oh my goodness, they got me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. What am I going to say about that? You know, I guess, I guess I better go home and throw away all my rayon polyester blends, you know, <laughs> get all that out of my closet <laughs> or I'm going to hell. I want to be a consistent Christian. Um, so how do we deal with that? What is the reality of what's happening there? And how can we view that as Christians and, and maybe discuss that in a way? So that, that's what we're going to look at today. Here, we'll, we'll start here. There's a context when God is bringing the people out of Egypt. Egypt was a picture of bondage. The Israelites were there. We, you know, we could go into a lot of history about that. But suffice it to say that God's people are in slavery. They're in bondage. It is a picture of how we are in bondage to sin. 
uh, that we are we are condemned, we are we are in chains by our own sin, our own separation from God. And what does God do? God delivers them out of that, and He's bringing them to a place, a promised land, where. From that promised land, the truth of God will shine forth around the world and be the be the starting point, the seedbed of evangelizing the entire world. He's going to bring his Messiah to come to pass from that place, and then the message of that gospel will go out around the world. So there's a context that he is bringing them out. But now they're in the desert. Being in slavery, they've been way out of touch with God. And when we're in the slavery of sin, we're way out of touch with God. So they were they were a rebellious, stiff-necked people. They were bent on complaint and whining and moaning and fighting and fussing and idolatry and all of those kinds of things. And so God is preparing them as a people to be able to enter into this promised land where he will, he will then establish them as this light. Okay, so in that context, he's giving the laws. And so all this in Leviticus especially, but in Exodus, you know, in, in Exodus and Leviticus, we start to see the picture of all of these laws. First of all, with the Ten Commandments, foundational, right? I mean, that is the that is the bedrock literally written on bedrock yeah, <laughs> you know, correct. that God gives them and, and stands uh, as a kind of summation of, all of it, all of the commands of God and all the law of God that will be summarized even further by Jesus when he says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In these, you can wrap up all the law. Uh, but in Leviticus is where we see all of these almost innumerable accounts of these laws that lost people want to point to going, okay, you got to follow these. But what is really happening? Here's the first thing. The reason that God gives these is to reveal who he is. He comes to Moses in the burning bush, right? And Moses said, well, who am I supposed to tell them uh, is going to come deliver them out? And he goes, tell them that I am. So the first point that we see is God is giving these laws. He's driving, he's driving these people, pulling these people, leading these people through this place to reveal who he is. He says, I am the I am. And then we see when the Ten Commandments are given, which is the start before we get to Leviticus, he says, you shall have no other gods before me. I'm a jealous God for you. I love you with such a deep passion. Um, and, and there should be no idols and be careful with my name, all these things to establish who he is. So that's the first part. The second is to show himself and his people as distinct. So he gives these laws, he gives these directives, he tells them how to dress, what to eat, uh, you know, how to comport them, all of these kinds of things. And the point in that is, is to say to the world, God is distinct. He's not like the God of the Canaanite. Uh, he's not like Baal. He is. He, he's not like the God of the Egyptians. He is a distinct God, and his people are distinct. So a lot of these things that he has them do and is so that they will stand out. A third thing is to demonstrate the importance of hearing and following his word. Uh, so he's going to give them words. He's going to say, hey, I want you to build a tabernacle, and I want there to be this much gold and this much acacia wood and this much of this and this much of that, and I want you to do it just like this, and I want the poles to be just like that. And all of these things that seem incredibly specific, but the point is, is he is establishing something that is distinct from the whole rest of the world. There will be no confusion, the gods of the rest of the world and this God of the Bible. And then the fourth thing to picture Christ. And we see that in the offerings and all the things that he does there.
And I've been talking a long time. What you got? Brother? Yeah. Um, well, that's and and I think you're right. I think uh, for many of us as Christians, we do hear those these, and we don't we don't understand the connection from uh, Old Testament law to New Testament Christ. Right. Right. And so uh, that lends itself for putting a. Uh, you know, a Christian on the defensive when someone comes at them with, you know, all these laws and Leviticus and Exodus and uh, the, you know, the sacrificial system. And, you know, if you don't understand that connection from there to what Jesus did and fulfilled, then we are, you're, you're left flat footed, you know. Yeah, exactly right. So to know what it's about, God is showing who he is. He's showing himself and his people as distinct, separate. Do all these things so you will stand out, so that everybody will know that I'm different and that you're different because you are mine. To demonstrate the importance of hearing and following his word. That's something that people bring up like, okay, so your child is disobedient and you're supposed to stone them. You know, well, then if you Christians were really Christians, there'd be a lot of dead kids in the world. You know, I mean, well, are actually out of the world, I guess. Uh, but, but, Again, even that part of it, to demonstrate the importance of hearing and following his word, Jesus comes along and he says, my words are life. The point of that is not death. The point is through, yes, we are the benefactors of the of the reality that God is using them to demonstrate things. Now, they're not just simply pawns. They are stiff-necked, rebellious, uh, unclean people. Uh, and so they needed this training, but the point is that we get to see it from we get to see it from what God did in their lives and learn from it that we sh- that's, at least we should. And so it's this idea that His Word gives life. So if I follow His words, the Bible says His words are spirit and life. If I follow His words, I find life. But if I don't follow His words, there was death. Well, I mean that's a real object lesson right there. Uh, and, and and again, for us to wrap our minds around that, that's that's well, well even then, okay, so you know, but that seems really rough. That's not fair. That's not right. Well, that's because we don't have a grasp on the depth of sin, on how bad sin is. Yeah, right. Um, and it, it it goes back to um, we really do ultimately want everything to be about us and. Um, and that that's a tough pill to swallow that I'm hopelessly lost. Even the best of the best that I've got to offer yeah. is is nothing. And you know. Um so yeah, that ultimately is the the real issue there. We don't want to accept that we're sinful, God, you know. Right. You can't really truly well, if you understand God's holiness, then you the more about God's holiness and how uh, holy, righteous, just he is, the more at the same time we're going to understand how unworthy we are. Right. Right. And how sinful, depraved we are. Right. And there's death in our ways. Yeah. There's death in us following our own path and not following him as he is leading us to a place of abundant life. Uh, and he is warning us of that. And we see that played out literally in the interaction of the law and the Israelites as they are in the desert. So that's the why. God's going to reveal himself. 
He's going to show himself as distinct. He's going to demonstrate the importance of, hey, you find life if you follow my words, death if you don't follow my words, and the picture of Christ who's going to be the ultimate sacrifice as seen in all the offerings, the burnt, the grain, the sin, the trespass, the consecration, the peace, all the offerings, all of those picturing, pointing to Christ, the Messiah who's going to come. So now, fast forward, uh, how can we how can we deal with the idea that now there's the cross, and we'll come back to that. There's the cross, and now on this side of it, uh, why don't we follow those laws anymore? Why don't we um, obey all of those things? You know, like if you've got a if you've got a particularly angry looking pimple, why don't you have to come to me, Arnie, and I have to examine it? And if there's a white hair in it, I have to do. It. <laughs> I mean, right? Praise the Lord, we don't. Have to do that. <laughs> Every teenager with acne, I'm in here to examine them. Yeah, but anyway, uh, so why don't we do that? And and here's why: the law. We can. There's many ways that you can look at it, but there are pieces of it or uh, classifications within it. So one would be ceremonial or the sacrificial. Uh, again, this partly shows the distinction, but it also shows the sacrifice of Christ that is coming. So you have the ceremonial aspects. Why do you have to have a certain kind of curtain? Why does the priest have to wear a certain kind of garb? Why do you do so many washings? Why do you do all those kinds of things? It's the symbolic ceremonial part uh, that also includes the sacrifice. So that's one part. A second part is the penalty part. Uh, You do this, you die. Uh, These penalties are to be enacted and they are be to be enacted by your religious leaders, but you as a people. So these people trespass, they sin, they are to die. The, the penalty, the penal part of the law. The third part is moral. The moral parts of the law have to do with how we interact with God and each other. So the interactions that I have with other beings other than myself, uh, what are the things I do in relation to that? And a fourth part uh, could be kind of classified as just functional. Uh, you know, uh, I put it this way, <laughs> BC bylaws for desert life, you know, things that pertain to how they were going to live in the desert and ways that he was actually protecting them. So you have those four pieces of the law. And uh, <clears throat> so to go back to ceremonial, okay? So people say, well, um, and this is something that I've never heard people say. They say, well, why don't you uh, not mix your fabrics? Why don't you just do this? Why don't you, why don't you, but I never hear him say, why don't you still kill bulls? I guess Peter would get mad at him because most of them are. <laughs> I don't know, but, but, but there's a reason that we don't. All of the, none of those sacrifices were sufficient. All of those things that were pointing, all of the washings and everything for purification, all of the grains that were burned, all the birds that were bled, all of, the, all of those kinds of things, all of those were just pictures that they, by the way, saw over and over and over. Right. And the point that God would bring them, okay, so you commit this sin or you're found to be unclean in this way. Well, you need to bring two doves or you need to bring a bull or you need to bring a goat or whatever you could afford or you bring your grain and you do all these things. Well, they had to do that over and over and over. Why? Because God was driving home to them the fact that they in themselves could not purify themselves. They, they could not in themselves be a fit sacrifice. So they had to bring something of perfection that stood in their place. And they would sacrifice one of the goats. They would have a scapegoat that the priest would pray over and descend. The, you know, so there's the, there's the 
payment for the penalty of the sin in the, in the, in the goat that is bled, and then there's the goat that escapes carrying guilt away or that is led out into the wilderness carrying guilt away. So all those pictures. But when Christ comes, he fulfills the picture. He is the perfect sacrifice. All that was doing was symbolizing what Christ would fulfill. So the reason we, you and I don't have to kill goats on the altar is because the sacrifice has been made. They were pictures. So that's why we don't do that part. Yeah. I thought the interesting term you used uh, back was these sacrifices were, were a payment for sin. Right. They were, right? So they were, um, we often use the, the term of, or when we talk about, um, we use the analogy of Jesus coming, you know, we're standing before a judge in a courtroom and this is your penalty. And the judge is handing down the penalty. And what Jesus did for us was walk up and said, judge, I'll pay their debt. I'll pay their penalty. That's what those, the, the sacrifices were, but they were painting a picture and pointing forward to the ultimate sacrifice, the one true worthy sacrifice, and that was Jesus Christ. Exactly, exactly. And 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 it was not an easy thing. I mean, I'm sure that, that at some point it became routine, but they were very cautious about making sure they did it just exactly, exactly right. Exactly like God commanded. Uh, you know, again, to show how difficult it would be. And, and again, you know, you think about this. So I, I picture Israelite out in the desert. Well, I'm eventually going to run out of doves if I don't quit doing. You know, I mean, this, you know, and I've got to go through this routine over and over and over again. Well, finally, so Jesus comes and He satisfies that. So there's the ceremonial aspect. The second is the penalty. So the the penalty part. So when they were in the desert, uh, penalty for adultery, stone them. Penalty for a child disobeying their parents, stone them. There were there was a lot of death penalty involved that was connected to sin, uh, and, and so again we see that as as incredibly severe, harsh. But to just allow sin to run rampant, I mean the misery that that brings and the and the brokenness that that brings and all of that. I mean we just so we so minimize that that we see that as, as harsh. And yeah, I mean, was it a stiff penalty? Absolutely. So you sin, you die, you sin, you die, you You sin, you die. Wait a minute. Here comes one who died in your place. Yeah. So now you sin, you don't die or, or at least not in that you don't get executed. Right. Because the execution happened for Christ. So, you know, they say, well, why don't you stone adulterers or why don't you do? Well, that's why. Because Jesus took that penalty. I think the uh, the thing that jumps out to me is how, I guess, comfortable we get with sin. So, um, you know, that was, that was uh, normative thought. You know, you sin, you die. No. Uh, we've gotten um, I don't I don't know why, but we've gotten comfortable with our sin. No. We get comfortable with our sin uh, and so the thought of death for lying on my taxes yeah. Yeah. seems incredibly unreasonable. Yeah, I don't know if that was literally one or. <laughs> 
but you know yeah but i mean you know for uh, you know i think of lying on your taxes as theft you know i mean you're you're taking something that's not yours so yeah absolutely um yeah great point um so well we could argue the the government thing but (laughs) We might get a little off track if we go down that road. But, but no, you're exactly right. I mean, the, the, the smallest of sins we're worthy is is worthy of the penalty of death. Yeah, that's you know that's well. Uh, and for lost man, those you know, in the context of what we're talking about, the people that would throw that up in the face of a Christian, and that you know, basically what they're trying to do is mock God. The reality is, is that they have they have come to take for granted the mercy of a God they don't know. Right, exactly. So exactly. they don't they don't face the full consequence of their sin, uh, and because uh, this God that they don't know that they rebel against in His incredible patience and mercy, mm. not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And in that context, they begin to take that for granted. Uh, so so yeah. So then uh, a third part would be the moral part. This is the interactions that we have with each other. And there's a lot of rules and there's a lot of commandments about that uh, to define the interactions that we have with each other. Now, these uh, have not been removed. Uh, The interactions that we have with one another, uh, one way we can look at that when Jesus is talking to the the rich young ruler, or so we call him, um, he says, you know, basically, have you kept the commandments? Yeah, I've kept the commandments. And he goes, good. You've done well. Uh, so the idea of the commandments that have to do with personal interaction, which is the Ten Commandments, all of those have to do with what? Interactions that we have with God or other people. Right. Uh, you know, even we'll say, well, what about the Sabbath? I mean, that's where you re- – no, that's that's <laughs> something that I'm offering up to God and I'm finding rest in it, but that's still an interaction that I have with God, keeping the Sabbath holy. So uh, all of the moral parts of that, well, they still stand. So that's why uh, the interactions that two individuals have, I'll I'll use a pet one, right? And the one that happened to be the one that uh, the young lady that I mentioned at the beginning started with, homosexuality. Well, you know, that's that's Old Testament. That's, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, that one, which like many interactions are uh, delineated, is also in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 1, God says, you know, he gave them up to women having relations with women and men having relations with men, working in themselves that which was, I mean, depending on your translation, vile, uh, anathema. So uh, the moral parts are never done away with. You know, they they still stand. And then the, and then the last part that I talked about was just like the functional. If you read through Leviticus, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, there is ad nauseum, it would seem, if you, again, I'm talking about from a human from a human standpoint, not God's word is not, but just this goes on and on and on about skin disease. You know, I, I referenced that just kind of in passing earlier, you know, so the, you have to go to the priest. If you've got a, a bump, a sore, a welt, a whatever, you got to go to the priest and have him examine it. And there's all these kinds of purifications that you have to do. And there's all of this kind of stuff. Uh, The idea of certain foods that you could eat and certain foods that you couldn't eat. Um, And even the mixing of fabrics where maybe, maybe in their day, the mixing of the fabrics would end up with a garment that wasn't as durable. Uh, So, you know, there's, there's practical reasons that you see in some of these functional aspects. You don't want disease to run rampant. You don't want mildew to eat up houses and have mold. And, you know, God was way ahead of the curve. You know, we we have 
fumigation systems to get mold out of houses now. Well, you know, I'll, there's a whole big section on that, uh, how you deal with mold and mildew in a home. Uh, again, all the ones with foods and clothing. Those are very functional, practical things. God was walking his people through the desert. And of course, he could do things miraculously, but he's also teaching and training them. Again, listen to me and I'll take care of you. Listen to me, follow my directives, and I will take care of you. And so obviously, we're not in the desert right now. Uh, and 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 were we to be in the desert, then you know maybe there would be some of those things. All right, so how do we... Bring it around. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Mainly to say this, when you're talking to someone and that comes up, or if you ever feel so led to maybe spout off on the internet and social media, (laughs) uh, or more importantly, just to engage people with this, because it would be great if we really could. Yeah. This thrown up in our face about why don't you follow all these laws? Well, those laws are no longer in effect in the same way because Christ fulfilled them. Here's the bottom line. The reason that they reject that is because they they refuse to come to the cross. Yeah. When you come to the cross, you find the fulfillment of all the ceremonial aspects of the law. You find the fulfillment of the penalty aspects. The, the penalty aspects in life have, have now been given to the government, Romans 13. Okay, so those those it's not for the church. We don't kill people for disobedience. We don't we don't do it. That was fulfilled in Christ. All the penalty he took upon himself. The moral part, we still follow that, and we see that played out in, in the Old and New Testament and the fact that the Ten Commandments still stand. In the functional parts, we don't follow that anymore because we're not walking around through the desert. And even further, as far as the foods and all that, in the New Testament, God shows Peter, you know, hey, these foods are good to eat now. And the New Testament also at one point says, you know, all food is good if you basically, if you bless it, uh, surrender it to God, give God thanks for it, that, that that is good. So that's God saying that was for that time. That's been fulfilled. That's been done. Now stand on the cross and the empowerment of the, of the saved life in, in the resurrection and still stand on the, on the moral parts because those still stand. Yeah. Um, I see this these types of uh, interactions as a great opportunity for Christians to, I mean, the person that wants to throw that kind of stuff up in a Christian's face, they're the ones that are cracking the door for a great opportunity to talk about Jesus. That's a great way to look at it. That's a great, you know. And uh, so we can, we can say that was the old sacrificial system that pointed to what happened 2000 years ago when Jesus Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice. Right. He, uh, you know, so it's, a. I, I, that's what I'm going to try to view those as going forward. Whenever I have those kind of, I don't often, but it happens or maybe even on social media, you know, yeah. we can lovingly point people to Christ, even in social media when they're, uh, coming at a Christian like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and that's a, a great point, which makes me think this to make sure that I say this. The point is not to have an Old Testament, New Testament debate with a pagan. Right. And to get caught up in that. <laughs> that's going to be, unless the, you're a uh, Old Testament scholar, that's going to be a, a hard, right. you know. And the point is to get to the cross. You know, why don't we kill animals anymore? 
Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. They were just saying, they were just showing that we needed somebody like Jesus to die on the cross. Uh, why don't we stone our children when they're disobedient? Because Jesus took the penalty on the cross. Um, you know, why don't, why don't we, all of those food things and all that, that was for that time and that people who needed protection in a particular situation. All of that being wrapped up in the law in Christ, he's fulfilled it all. And so now the point is, the point is not whether or not you think that I should stone my kid when they don't do their chores. The point is, what will you do with the cross? Yeah. Because when I come to the cross, those questions are satisfied. So, yeah. you know, I thought about this too. A good question to ask somebody in that discussion would be, you know, do you really want to know the answer? And do you really want to hear what I want to share with you about the reality of the Old Testament, New Testament? difference or are you simply as i'm talking going to be thinking of invectives with which you can attack and tear down try to tear down christianity because if you really want to know then i would love to spend two minutes uh to tell you this uh if not we're going to waste our time yeah you know we're just gonna we're, we're just gonna be tense but even in that you can say well let me tell you this the cross takes care of most of your questions <laughs> and if you'll come to the cross because of your sin, all those sacrifices were because of sin. All of those laws were because men don't know how to treat each other and act with each other. And Christ comes and he fulfills the law. He takes the penalty for the sin. The question is, has your sin been dealt with? Good, 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 good way to wrap that up. That's um, that was a good conversation. I enjoyed that. Well, I hope it makes sense. There's, there's a lot to that. Maybe at some point I'll kind of, break that down to maybe a little more usable form. Yeah. Uh, maybe at some point we're, we're already talking about having a website that been yeah. talking where maybe we'll be able to put materials like that up uh, if people are interested in that. So if you would be interested in something like that, um, get, let us know. I mean, give us some feedback. Yeah. And, uh, and we do, we, uh, we're a, a young podcast. And so um, we would love some interaction with uh folks that might listen to this so uh we've got an email address we'd like if you'd like to just shoot us a note let us know it's at uh, deadmentalking at yahoo.com uh really uh unique email address <laughs> but uh Very but that's uh that's how you can uh reach out to us and uh give us your feedback if you've got uh topics you'd be interested in us discussing you know we want to hear that tell us uh who you are where you listen how you listen and uh, you know that we do this for folks to listen to uh we want to we want it to be uh beneficial we want it to be entertaining you know not maybe in the same sense as uh say yes to the dress or whatever else is on tv <laughs> <What>? but <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to think of the most absurd TV show I could think of. Uh, that would be an interesting psychological study why that popped to the top. Of I'm just picturing you sitting on the couch watching. Say yes to the truth. Yeah, what does it say about me that I, that came to mind? You maybe just saw a commercial yesterday or something. We'll, we'll, we'll go with that. I, uh, but, yeah, please contact us. Let us know what you think. Let us know your ideas of topics and be looking forward we're going to probably set up put up a website here soon that uh, we'll try to put maybe some follow-up info to episodes that you can maybe further study and 
look into and we'll see where it goes sounds good all right my friend well it's always good to hang out with you we'll see you next time on dead men talking